innovation, integrity, teamwork, commitment, compassion, and respect. These are the values of Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. Here's another episode in our podcast series, Cancer Talk with Bill Klaproth. Cancers in children are sometimes hard to recognize because common illnesses or everyday bumps and bruises can mask the early warning signs. So as a parent, what should you look out for? Here to tell us more is Dr. Kara Kelly, Chair, Department of Pediatric Oncology at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Dr. Kelly, thank you for your time. So are the types of cancer that develop in children different from those that develop in adults? Uh, yes, they are. The The types that we see in children tend to be um, more related to kind of abnormal development that occurs in different parts of the body as opposed to um, types of cancers that develop from environmental exposures, you know, such as tobacco smoking um, and other, other such things. So they are very different. Uh, fortunately, they're very rare in children. You know, we estimate that there's only about 10,000 cases of childhood cancer diagnosed each year in the U.S. in children under the age of 15. So, um, you know, although cancer is very serious and something parents worry about it, very, you know, fortunately, it's very rare. Okay, so lifestyle or environmental risk factors don't play a role in children's cancer. So then what are the cancers that are most prevalent in children today? So if you look at the top five, they include uh, the leukemias, which are cancer of the blood, which occur in about 30%. The next most common are brain tumors, which occur in just over a quarter of cases. Uh, the next would be the lymphomas, which are cancers of the lymph glands um, or lymph nodes. And then next is a, a tumor of the, um, of the nervous system called neuroblastoma, which occurs in about 5 or 6% of cases. And then rounding out would be uh, tumors of the kidneys um, called Wilms tumor, which is really specific to the pediatric population. Okay, so leukemias, uh, brain tumors, lymphoma, neuroblastoma, and the Wills tumor. So can you go through the warning signs of each for us? Sure. So the leukemias, you know, this is a cancer of the bone marrow, which is, you know, where blood cells are produced. And so the really the biggest impact of that type of cancer is that it interferes with the normal blood cell development. And the type of warning signs that we see are a result of that process. So if you're not making enough red blood cells, uh, children will look pale, they'll be very tired, won't have much energy. Um, there's an impact on the production of platelets. Those are cells that, you know, that help the blood to clot. So we will see increased bruising or bleeding, particularly in places that you don't normally see so, like bruises on you know, the upper back or on the arms or, you know, places um, that kids don't usually bruise from kind of routine play and sports activities. And then the third is there's an impact on the white blood cells, which are the cells that are important in fighting infection. So here we'll see fevers or illnesses that just really won't go away. But I think it's most important to point out is that these are also symptoms that we see in the setting of many routine illnesses, you know, the common cold and other infections, which are much, much more common than, than uh, the development of leukemia. So it's really when these, you know, signs are more pronounced or aren't going away that a parent should think about taking the child to the pediatrician. 
Not that it means it's leukemia, but just that there can be testing that can be done to further explore whether it's related to the more common things or whether further workup for leukemia is necessary. Right. Always better to know and be safe. So then next would be brain tumors. Sure. So brain tumors, um, you know, present um, by causing pressure within the brain. And so one of the most common sign of that is uh, very frequent headaches, particularly if they're severe or if they're associated with vomiting, um, especially in the morning, you know, when a child first arises, that can be a sign. Uh, sometimes you can see a limp or you can see weakness on one side, but overall headaches are probably the most common cause. But again, you know, like leukemia, um, there are other causes of headaches, and so uh, brain tumors are relatively rare. Um, so it's really when it's kind of out of proportion, persistent, you know, and associated with the other symptoms that it needs workup. And again, the pediatrician would be the best place to start to do some for, uh, additional testing. Okay, and then you mentioned lymphoma. Mm -hmm. So lymphomas are... Um, you know, is a cancer of the lymph nodes, um, which are collections of white blood cells in the body. You know, they're kind of like the uh, first defense in an infection. You know, there are lymph nodes in the neck so that if there's a, you know, sore throat or throat infection, those cells are available. And rarely cancer can develop within those cells. Uh, we see two different types, the non-Hodgkin type, which typically occurs in younger children, and then the Hodgkin lymphoma type, which is actually the most common type of cancer we see in, in teenagers and, and young adults. Um, with this type of cancer, the most common presenting sign is a, is a big lump. Um, you know, these lymph nodes get very large in size, and so there may be swelling of um, of the neck or the groin or the belly, you know, depending on which lymph nodes are involved. You know, and again, here, you know, these lymph nodes can be enlarged in the setting of infection, which is much more common than lymphoma. So it's when it's uh, asymmetric, you know, bigger on one side than the other. If it's not getting better over a week or two weeks of time, um, or if it seems to be kind of out of proportion, bigger, you know, than one would expect with a regular infection, that it needs to have additional uh, workup by, by the pediatrician. Right. Okay. And then I hear about this one a lot, neuroblastoma. Right. So neuroblastoma is a, a cancer that develops in a specific type of nerves um, that uh, kind of run... Uh, really kind of along the spine and down into the belly. Um, this type of cancer is seen um, especially in young children under the age of five and occasionally can be seen in, in kids a bit older. Um, this type can be very aggressive, especially in these younger children, and will present with um, enlargement of the belly, you know, so the belly gets much bigger in size, and that's due to enlargement, you know, of these tumors, um, within the belly. It also can present with um, uh, involvement of the bone, and that can cause a limp or can cause a lot of pain or discomfort. And sometimes we can see bruising, uh, particularly under the eyes, and that, again, is related to some of the, the involvement of the bone that occurs. Um, you know, like all of the other types of childhood cancer, many of these symptoms overlap with much more common conditions in children. So again, if the symptoms are pronounced, if they're, you know, not getting better, if they seem to 
be worsening over, you know, a, a week or two, uh, you know, that would warrant further investigation and a checkup by the, the child's primary doctor. Right. And then lastly, Wilms tumor. So, um, so Wilms tumor is a tumor of the kidneys, and it's very different than types of uh, cancers that occur in adults. Um, you know, here, like neuroblastoma, the um, usual presenting sign is, um, is a, a, a lump in the belly, um, but usually it's on one side. Um, and usually the children don't have any additional symptoms, you know, unlike neuroblastoma, where there's often bone involvement and a lot of pain, usually with Wilms tumor. The child is otherwise well, except that there, you know, is uh, kind of a, you know, an enlargement on one side of, of the abdomen. Um, oftentimes, it's noted by a parent while they're changing the child's uh, diaper, because this also tends to occur in younger children, or can be sometimes picked up by the pediatrician during a regular well-child checkup. Uh, occasionally, probably about 10% of the time, it may present with some um, blood in the urine. So if there's, you know, bright red blood in the urine, that would also, you know, warrant uh, further checkup and testing. All right. And Dr. Kelly, can you tell us about the advancements made in pediatric cancer treatment and outcomes over the past few years? Sure. So, you know, fortunately, um, childhood cancer is uh, very responsive to treatment, you know, and we now estimate that over three quarters of all children are cured. Um, and that's uh, some of the more common types, particularly leukemias and lymphomas. You know, the success rate is over 90% today. Um, so it's really quite significant um, and, and much better than many of the types of cancers that occur in adults. And when we say cure, we do mean long-term cure, you know, not just putting a child into remission, but really going on to live a long, you know, full life. Um, these advances have really been a result of collaborative research. Um, pediatric cancer field is considered the poster child for uh, for different um, hospitals working to get together to develop and test new types of treatments, and that collaboration has resulted in these extremely you know high outcomes that we're fortunately able to offer today. Well, that is really good news and good to hear. And Dr. Kelly, can you tell us about your own areas of expertise, including complementary therapies? Um, sure. So my, my research is focused in two main areas. So one is in clinical trials um, of children with uh, leukemia and lymphoma, particularly Hodgkin lymphoma. And so I oversee the development and conduct of uh, very large international trials um, treating you know children and teenagers with Hodgkin lymphoma including some of the new exciting therapies such as the checkpoint inhibitors and other immune therapies that are under development. My second main area of focus is on supportive care, um, you know, developing and testing new strategies that can help um, support children through the side effects of cancer treatment, including the use of complementary therapies. You know, we, as I mentioned a moment ago, we've made significant strides. You know, we're curing over three quarters, you know, over 90% of children with leukemia and lymphoma. But the treatments we have today are still, unfortunately, quite toxic. You know, they're associated with pain, nausea, reduced appetite. So we see these complementary therapies as a way to help children tolerate the therapy better so that we can deliver these treatments and maintain the high cure rates that we're seeing. So some of my work includes um, uh, acupuncture um, for managing particularly the pain, nausea, 
some of the other side effects of treatment. And um, as a result of the research I've done, we're now offering that treatment to our children and teenagers at Russell Park. And I've also tested other things such as aromatherapy and different herbal supplements, again, with a focus on managing the side effects of the cancer treatment. Well, you're very accomplished, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. And if you could just quickly wrap this up for us, you kind of touched on this a couple of times, but just one more time, how should a parent distinguish which symptoms are potentially serious and and which may be something common like the flu or just the fever or a cold? If you could just quickly just kind of reiterate that for us one more time, I would appreciate it. Sure. I think, you know, the, the main take-home point is that childhood cancer is rare, so that parents shouldn't jump you know, first to that, to it being cancer. But it's really in the situation where the symptoms are persistent, unexplained, just not getting better over the usual time period of an illness. That's really where a parent should seek additional treatment. And if they're, you know, if they're concerned, you know, um, pediatricians, you know, welcome the calls and it's better to call earlier and have the child evaluated, you know, if there's any concern. I think, you know, most times it turns out not to be cancer, but in the, you know, rare event that it does, you know, seeking treatment, getting tests done, you know, will help to improve the outcome and to minimize, you know, the impact to the child and to the family. Better to know early than late. So that's great right. advice. And but not to doc- panic. <laughs> I think right. just, you know, keep in mind 10,000 cases in the U.S. So what we're, you know, talking about and, you know, here in our region, it's a limited number. But, um, you know, but if there's any question, you know, go to the pediatrician, you know, have things checked out and they can help to alleviate any concerns. That's right. It's very important to remember that it is very rare. And Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. For more information, you can visit roswellpark.org. That's roswellpark.org. You're listening to Cancer Talk with Roswell Park Cancer Institute. I'm Bill Klaparoth. Thanks for listening.